Welcome to the Triathlon ACT podcast, where you'll find out all the latest news, events, results, and backstory of all things triathlon. You'll also hear from the incredible people who bring triathlon in the heart of the nation's capital to life. And now your hosts, all the way from Canberra, Australia, Craig Johns and Emily Stacey. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Triathlon ACT podcast. My name is Emily Stacey, I'm the Sport Development Manager here at Triathlon ACT and I am joined by invitation my co-host Craig Johns, the Executive Director. Hey Craig. Hey Emily, welcome. Uh, it's, it's good to be back again, episode number four. It is. Four is the best number. It's been fantastic. Hey, look, we've had a lot of people uh, downloading the podcast, li- tuning in, listening to the show. I think we've had quite a few countries even listening in. We have. So the top four or top three countries, Australia, Spain and the Cook Islands. Cook Islands. I know. And The thriving metropolis of triathlon. Yeah. Um, but here's a, a cool one. Morocco. So whoever's in Morocco and listening to us, hello. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so a big shout out to all our listeners around the globe, including Morocco, Cook Islands. And not including New Zealand, I noticed. No, there's no New Zealand downloads. What's gonna have to going w- on, Mel? Yeah, we're going to have to check that out. So Mel, Mel told me she's listened to the show, so we're going to have to... Uh, I think we're going to have to ask her some very hard questions over the next couple of weeks. All right, so we over the weekend we had the Young Women's Leadership Program um, QUT helped facilitate that. Big thank you to Sport and Recreation Canberra for supporting that initiative. The real work begins now, but what a weekend. Oh, it was fantastic. I'm feeling so energized and just like the passion from everyone that was there, incredible. Yeah, and it was, it was great to see the Triathlon Australia President Michelle Cooper attended. Yep. Um, a big thank you to Evelyn. Uh, and the team from QUT who arranged it, and obviously Melinda Edwards, who was our facilitator throughout the weekend. Um, we've got some great mentors as part of that program. We've got Amanda Powell from Fit. We've got Natasha Royal from Fit and Fit to Try. Uh, we've got Alicia Melder from the Triathlon ACT board, and you know we've also got some other people who are going to be involved over the next uh, few months. So it's great. Um, it's going. It's a big show ahead. So we will. We'll get kick. We'll kick into it, I think, and we've got Simon Thompson interview. It's an absolute cracker. It's a little bit longer than our our usual interviews, but I'm sure you're going to absolutely love it when we delve into his career as a professional triathlete, starting out in Canberra, and he raced at the 2004 Athens Olympics, and he has one hell of a story. And you get right into it. You feel like you're actually racing. So, shall we go? We should. Let's go. On Your Marks. It's been a really busy couple of weeks with athletes racing around the world and the Vikings Triathlon Awards. In Japan, Ali Hoitink finished 19th in the ITU Takamatsu Asia Cup race. Uh, She fell sick before the race, so a 19th is a great performance. In Thailand, Penny Slater finished second to Dimity Duke, another Australian in the Navy Triathlon race. Uh, Ben Allen, another Australian, he won the men's race. Over there in Catalonia, Anne Harrod Llewellyn was competing in a phenomenal, really tough race with cobblestones, big steep climbs, and, and a really scenic swim. She finished fifth in the Catalonia champ, so well done there. The boys that are based in Europe at the moment headed across to Estonia for the Tartu ITU European Cup race. Callum McCluskey finished second 
Adam Rudgley 13th and Connor Sproul 14th. In Canada, Clint Pickin was racing in the ITU Magog Paratriathlon World Cup event. He finished third with a great race on the, to finish on the podium. Back here in Canberra, we had the Vikings Triathlon Awards. The male novice triathlete of the year was Nathan Horton. The female novice triathlete of the year, Jessica Hanley. Male athlete of the year, Craig Stocks with his great performance um, in Ironman races and also up at Ultraman Australia. Female athlete of the year, Megan Haylock. She's also one of the sponsors of Vikings. The junior athlete of the year were Abigail Adera and Oscar Morgan. The encouragement award went to Danielle Kelly, who is a novice this year as well. The club person of the year was John McGavin. Congratulations to everyone that's been racing and winning awards over the past two weeks. We're here triathletes abroad and we are at the halfway house of the Canberra triathletes based in Girona. We've got Callum, Connor, Adam, and, and Harrod, welcome to the show, team. Thank you. Okay. So, Aaron Harrod, we'll start with you first. You raced in the Catalonian Champs yesterday, a flying fifth place. How did it go? Um, pretty good. Um, so the race was a pretty tough course, um, and logistically, um, it took a lot just to get to the start line. So. They had us race out at this dam that was about a 40-minute bus trip from the main town where the race was held. Um, it's about an hour from Gerona. It's called Vic, and it's right in the middle of the mountains. Um, so we actually had to get there quite early, drop our bikes off and have them um, put on trucks. They just bubble-wrapped um, all the bikes to stop them getting scratched, and then we jumped on coaches and were taken out to the swim start. Um, and we just started in in this um, dam, they have this old church ruin in the center of the um, dam that they used as the boy, so a um, bit different to back home. Um, and it was a sprint distance, so the swim was 750 um, meters. We then jumped on our bikes and then had a 10K category three climb, um, which pretty much just meant you were climbing for 10K and then coming down the other side and then into um, the town of Vic. And then the run was pretty spectacular as well. Um, it was all through the t um, town. It's a pretty old town as well. So there was lots of cobbles um, and you were constantly running from the road to the pavement onto cobbles, onto gravel. Um, and it was quite hilly as well. And then, uh, so the run was three laps. And then to finish off, they made you run up this really steep hill. So it was steeper than the hill that you've got between both parliaments in Canberra. Um, and it was on cobbles as well, so it just really finished your legs off pretty much. Um, and being um, cattle and champs, it was a pretty strong field, so I was pretty happy with the result. Yeah, well done. So were you up with the front pack out of the swim? Um, sort of. So the swim was quite, even though there wasn't as many girls as I probably thought there would be, it was quite chaotic, so I ended up. Um, getting caught in the whitewash that kind of went out to the side and got clear water and then worked my way up up the field. Um, the girl who won came out of the swim quite far ahead. Um, I think she's quite highly ranked within Spain. Um, so that wasn't really a surprise. And then there was about 
four or five of us on the bike working together. So the other thing is over here in Europe, all the um, age group races are draft legal. They're not scared to put in hills and, and make it a bunch a bunch race on the bike. Um, it just means that when you're going down a hill descending, you've got twists and turns and you've got a, a bunch of 10 or 15 boys that come past you as you're trying to corner. It's quite scary, but... I think they're all used to it. So Yeah, great experience. So, boys, you were off to Estonia and you were racing in the Tartu ITU European Cup race. Uh, a fairly solid field with 40 people on the start line. Uh, Cullum, you came through and finished on the podium in second place. Adam in 13th and Connor in 14th. Callum, do you want to kick it off? How, how was your race? Were you happy with that second place? Um, yeah, so pretty much the whole race, uh, everyone was sort of together and there was just one guy off the front pretty much for the whole race. Um, and yeah, unfortunately I wasn't able to catch him on the run. Uh, a great British guy. Yeah, he was just too strong for the rest of the field. And so yeah, I had to settle for second. Okay. And, and Adam, how, how was your race? Did you, were you up there with that, uh, same pack as Cullum or did you have to work your way through on the run? Um, no, so pretty much most of the field all ended up in that main pack. So they changed the swim from previous years. We just swam down the river with the stream, and it's pretty strong. So sort of got dragged along for 750. So came out in the pack of 30 odd guys, and rode in the rain and tried to not crash, and then ran okay to finish 13th. Now, Connor, you tell me you did a bit of sightseeing. Were you doing that while you were racing, or did you check out uh, Estonia after the race? Um, oh, I try. I tried to be observant while I was racing, but it was a bit hard on the bike with the um, with the water coming up in front of me uh, while I was just following Callum's wheel. I didn't do much. Didn't do much work on the bike, even though Callum was trying to get me to work. Um, uh, Callum, Callum was backing his run, heading into that, heading into the run to, to to try and win the thing. But I was just happy to be in the be in the um, main group. Um, and just looking to looking to have a solid run off the bike, and I managed to have probably probably one of my best runs ever. So that was um that was pretty exciting. Uh, I couldn't quite beat Adam though, so it was a bit was a bit upsetting. But yes, then you're you're right, Craig. I did get into Estonia. Um, I I I learned some Estonian, but um I thought the most useful phrase, especially with dealing with Callum, uh, because he he tends to win prize money, um, and I so I learned. Uh, the phrase "see how our max sub which means this gentleman will pay for everything. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Now yeah. you guys obviously yeah. in a fairly big bite pack on that ride. Are they quite vocal over there, or are they pretty, you know, like gentleman-like on that bike? Well, someone was vocal. <laughs> <laughs> Callum, do you want to tell us who was vocal? Um. Oh, you know, some were really quiet. Uh, and some are also really vocal. Usually, the strongest cyclists are are really vocal, just because they want to be in a good position, and they want to sort of blunt the legs of the of the slower cyclists for the run. Um, you know, sometimes I like to be a bit vocal, which is what the boys were just saying before. Um, you know, just to try and get people to work, um, and yeah, put myself in a bit, in a good position to have a good result. Excellent. All right. Well done, team. Great results and uh, enjoy brunch today. Um, it's on the house with uh, Cullen Payne today. So enjoy. That's it. 
think she's crazy. She's crazy. We're here with Penny Sladen. She's currently based in Phuket, Thailand. Over the weekend, she was racing in the Navy Triathlon event. How'd you go, Penny? Uh, yeah, good. I um, came second to fellow Aussie Dimini Duke in the Olympic distance. And uh, yeah, it was a really good race. We actually decided to do it as just because it was a local race, but it turned out to be a really big race with over 2,000 competitors in it. So it was really good. Wow, 2,000 people. The, the sport's really growing in Thailand. It's, um, it's just about mainstream there now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was really cool to see so many people out. And uh, the way they ran the event was smooth sailing and they had um, had thought of pretty much everything and closed off all the roads and everything. And, uh, yeah, definitely triathlons getting more mainstream over here and there's lots of locals doing it with their all of them have really nice bikes and stuff now too so it's really cool to see and so is it was it a hilly course flat course technical course um so the swim was just in uh bay so and uh for those people who raced in asia they tend to have like lane routes out so it was quite a good swim because you didn't have to look for swim boys really it had they had a uh, big 1500 meter square set up for the swim nice um yeah and the bike course was just out on the highway so it was relatively flat really so you could sort of average you know 40 k's an hour or whatever because it was so flat and then the run was um you ran along the bay and took in all the scenes of thailand and yeah finished up at the big expo excellent so you finished second to dimity now, what was the advantage she had on you? Was it was it her uh, race suit? Was it the type of bike <laughs> she was riding, or did she just have a brand new set of shoes? <laughs> oh well, I um I actually came out of the swim first, and I Dimity was riding a TT bike, and unfortunately, because I'm over here training for off road triathlon, I only bought over my mountain bike and my road bike, so I was on a road bike, which I was a little bit of a disadvantage on the on the bike course as it was quite flat and really good for time trialing. But um, I did my best to, to hold her off, but she caught me in sort of the last 20 Ks of the ride. And then, yeah, she put a couple of minutes into me in the last 20 Ks. And then I just sort of ran as hard as I could, but I couldn't catch her. She trains full time over here and is very used to the heat, but, um, and also she's a powerhouse. She's a fantastic athlete in herself. So yeah, I was still pretty happy with where I ended up. And so what's your favorite local cuisine so far? Oh, you can't go past the papaya salad here, I don't think. It's um, very refreshing. They often make them quite hot here, but they're really good. And all the local tropical fruit is pretty awesome too. Oh, you've got my taste buds working already. <laughs> so thanks so much for that, Penny. Um, congratulations on your second place. And your next races, will they be up in Europe with the Xterra? Yeah, yeah. So I had to. I actually had to Europe this week, um, and my first race is European Championships in um, Czech Republic. So that's on the third of August, and then it's actually really cool. They're doing a sh short track uh, triathlon race on the Sunday of the top fifteen men and women um, in the race on the from the Saturday. So it's going to be a really exciting weekend, I think. Awesome. Look forward to it. Okay, well, Penny, well, congratulations. Have a great couple of weeks 
training in Phuket before you fly to Europe and we'll talk to you once you have raced over in the Czech Republic. Thanks, Greg. Ali Hoyting, and she has just returned from the Takamatsu Asia Cup Sprint Triathlon race in Japan. How was the race, Ali? Um, it was good. Takamatsu is, is a pretty cool place to visit, and I, and I actually haven't been to an Asian race before, so the experience itself was, was really quite awesome. But um, I did, we had a couple of delayed and cancelled flights, and I woke up sick the morning of the race, so there was a, a, a few demons to kind of slay before actually going into the race. Um, but it was a really good, cool race to do. It was really well organised and the crowds were insane. So despite all that, I actually had a lot of fun. So a bit of mizu soup to uh, help clear the, the flu following? Yes, definitely. There was, there was a lot of just sort of trying everything to make sure we, we could get on that start line. But yeah, no, it was a good experience. And so you had a pretty solid swim. So you come out in the pack on the swim and you get onto the bike. You know, what happened in the, in the cycle leg? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't so happy with my swim. Um, I've been doing really well in training and, it, and it's going, you know, awesome. So to be honest, I felt like my swim uh, was actually the thing that let me down as, as well. Um, got onto the bike and just felt flat. Um, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a good idea to race. Um, but, you know, once you're there, you, you want to perform and, and I was there anyway. So just got on the bike and, and felt really flat and, and my heart rate just spiked and, yeah, just, just had nothing on the day. But unfortunately, that is racing and, and you run that risk when you do travel and especially to, to the Asian countries. Well, you did well to go a sub 20 minute 5K at the end there. So what's coming up next for you? You've you got a couple more weeks or a couple more days there in... Gold Coast, and then you head over to Europe? Yeah, I do. I head over to Europe in two weeks for some redemption. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I head to first to Montreal, um, and then I'll race in Zelina. Uh, following that, I'll then meet up with the team uh, on the 20th of August. That'll be a world's camp, um, and then obviously Lausanne, and then we'll see where to from there. On this week's Coach's Corner, we're here with James Thorpe from JT Multisport talking about consistency is king. James, what's consistency all about when it comes to triathlon? Thanks, Craig. Uh, yeah, consistency is probably the biggest the biggest thing. It's my, my mantra in coaching. It's probably the biggest thing in triathlon. Consistency is all about backing up day after day, session after session. Um, it's no surprise, it's no coincidence that the athletes that are the most consistent are the ones who have the most success. To me, when, when I'm looking at consistency, I'm looking at just knocking out a session and then knocking out the next session. So it doesn't have to be, every session doesn't have to be perfect in, in its quality, but if you're getting there and getting it done, um, that's, that's the path to success. And we all know with athletes that if you're injured or you're sick, then you can't train. So that affects consistency. So it's really important to listen to your coach, isn't it? That's it. That's it. That's what, probably one of the biggest things I, I see day in, day out is, is if you have an athlete who has an injury or they're, or they're ill, um, it's knowing when to take a day off and knowing when to try to try to do that session. Um, and I often say um, it's better to have one day off now um, and get yourself right for the next day rather than try to push through and set yourself back, um, you know, maybe a week or two. Membership time. 
We've just had membership auto renewals and a lot of people have registered already and some manually as well, which is great to see. We've got over 715 members have already renewed. So well done, ACT Canberra Triathletes. During the membership time, we, we get a lot of questions, don't we, Emily? So you know, for you, what has been the number one question this year? Well, it seems that people have turned off their, man, uh, their auto renew and then forget to actually manually renew. So, yeah. So how can they do that? Well, how they can do that is if they go in to Triathlon Australia uh, website and then on the membership page, they can go in and sign it's sign in as a new member and then you put your email address and they'll say, oh, this is already connected to an account. And you go, yep, I know that. And then go in and choose the clubs that you want to be a part of and press the click. Like, yes. And do your registration. Do your registration that way. So it's, it's actually quite simple. But if you find or you run into trouble doing that, give me a call at the office or send me an email and I'm more than happy to help you through that. It's fun. I love helping. Yeah. And some of you may have received um, fail payment notifications. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll be calling you to help you and emailing you as well to help you go through that process to make sure that you fix up your credit card details because it probably changed over last year. Mm-hmm. Probably a third of you change every year. So we need to make sure that that's updated and you can get paid and then you're covered by insurance. So right now, if you're not a member, you're not covered by insurance. And also you should not be out there training with your client. Here with Jessica Hanley from the Vikings Triathlon Club. Hello. It was great to see you have a, your first season in triathlon. How did it go for you? It was really good. It was um, uh, it was certainly a, a new sport for me to uh, enter, so it wasn't particularly successful, I suppose. But uh, really enjoyed my first race and looking forward to doing many more. And so, what was your reason for trying triathlon? Uh, I'd, I'd always wanted to. I had a friend as a teenager who did them, um, but I don't really uh, swim very much and I don't really ride, so the only sport I've ever really done was running and didn't know how to get into, I guess, the, the tries and saw the, um, uh, I think it was a Facebook post that uh, Vikings did that popped up in my news feed. I thought that looks interesting. And for you, so what was your biggest challenge when you first uh, got into the novice program? Uh, I mean, it's all fairly intimidating, I suppose, if it's new and you're not, uh, you, you feel like you're not naturally very athletic, uh, but certainly, I guess, it's the hardest, certainly not uh, something that I've done in many years. Nor had I been on a bike in many years either, actually. And so listening to you at the Vikings uh, Triathlon Club Annual Awards tonight, you spoke about the sort of the heart and soul of the Vikings Novice Program. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like everyone really connected and had a really good time together and it was a real important aspect of starting out in triathlon for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really, um, a, sort of, I guess, not intimidating, really supportive environment. Um, everyone. Um, you know, did their best uh, no matter what that was. I uh, was there to, you know, pat each other on the back and, and offer support in any way they could. And that's, um, yeah, the fellow novices, but also um, not only the program coordinators and coaches, but the whole club. And what was the most embarrassing moment for you this season? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I don't think I had. Oh, no, I do. My um, front wheel nearly fell off because I didn't tighten up. So that would have been, <laughs> that would have been quite bad. Bit of a novice mistake to make. Yeah, and nearly rode over a snake. So both of those would have been. Yeah. We're here with Danielle Kelly from the Vikings Triathlon Club. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excellent. Well done on your award tonight. It's been a great novice season. How did you get into triathlon? 
I've been wanting to do triathlon since I was about 17. I was always waiting till I could run 5Ks, till I'd lost weight, till I was fitter. As I got older, I got less fit and more slow. So I decided to bite the bullet for my 30th. I wanted to compete in a triathlon before I turned 30. And I found Vikings online and went, let's do it. Fantastic. And what was so special about that novice program that you really enjoyed? It was really welcoming. So I get quite intimidated joining groups and things like that. Um, but the club was so welcoming and just supportive. So even just we have coffee after training on weekends. So meeting new people, hearing different experiences, it was just, it was really welcoming. And that whole novice group, you seem very close. So yeah. I was watching at the Vikings Awards night tonight. Yeah, so we're still catching up for bike rides. We're going to be organising some more now that the weather's slowly going to start getting warmer. So try and keep that community little event that we've got there. And so what's next? What's, what's the next goal for you in triathlon? So I want to actually be able to compete. I want to be able to... My consistency. So at the moment, I still don't have my full running, full cycling, full swimming. So I want to get quicker and faster through the super sprint to be able to move up to the sprint. Well, congratulations on a great season. We look forward to seeing you in the upcoming 2019-20 season. Thank you. Super. Thank you. A big shout out to all the sponsors and partners of Triathlon ACT, Sport and Rec Creation Canberra, Triathlon Australia, Proximity, EY, Rolf Classic BMW, Sports Care and Physio, Canberra Southern Cross Club, The Runner's Shop, Red Hill Super Express, H2O Marine, Lonsdale Street Cyclery, Elite Energy Events, Virgin Australia, Project Clothing, Training Picks, and Star Outdoor. What's happening with Sports Care and Physiotherapy? So Sports Care and Physiotherapy on Sunday the 28th of July are hosting a, a special interactive forum. It's called Inside Out for Busy Women. It is an interactive discussion on health and well-being for busy women. There may be food, champagne and grazing platters. That, Gee, that, sound, that sounds good. That sounds, sounds pretty good. fancy. How can people register for that? It sounds like a great event. Where can they find out more details? I found out about it on their Facebook page. And so you can click through there and register through the Eventbrite website. Okay, so go into Sports Care and Physiotherapy. Facebook page and then click on the events or is it just in the Facebook feed? Just in their Facebook feed. Facebook feed, click on the event, sign up, $25, get there July 28th. It's going to be a great event. It really is. I'm looking forward to it. Interesting stuff. This week on The Starting Line, we're looking at how we can best balance work, family and training life as triathletes. Super important. It really is. I, um, yeah. You've got a family of five? I do. I have a family of five and yeah, they're very supportive and that's fantastic. And I think that comes down to communi good communication, um, time management and being organized. So you, yeah, it's, those are kind of some key things that you really need to look at to be able to get everything done. So do you work with them to make sure that you're organized so they help you with your time management, help you do some of the chores around the house or you know, what happens in your household? Yeah, so with us, a lot of the time it means that my training needs to be done early. So I try and get things done before the rest of the household is up. And that's kind of a, a familiar trend that you see with uh, triathletes who do have families. Um, I give myself a gold star if I can be on the bike in the morning before six o'clock. I've seen some triathletes be on the bike before 5 a.m. and 
gold stars and beers all round for you guys. So for those new to the sport, what you know, what's some tips for them? Uh, having everything set out the night before. So my bike is set up in the lounge room permanently in front of the TV, which is nice. So it is just a matter of getting up, putting my cycling gear on. I do, Taz makes me a coffee before I get on the bike. Sometimes I get oh, some toast as well. It is. Um, no, I've, I realise I'm very spoilt and the, um, yeah, I'm a bit of a Ferrari. So he'll say I'm quite high maintenance, but yeah, so he does he help out quite a lot with that. Whistleblower. This week we're talking about rules to do with swimming and 2.7c this is an amended rule in the triathlon australia rule so you need to be aware of this when you're swimming you cannot have swimwear that covers the hands or feet except socks may be used when wetsuits are mandatory so next time we have a race and you're racing in canberra emily mm -hmm. we do not want to see webbed gloves on your hands or flippers on your feet no there goes my advantage have you got have you got see-through ones yes oh, I, have to, I have to work on that yeah so that swimwear cannot cover your hands so obviously your wetsuits go up to your wrists and also down to your ankles if you are in a non-wetsuit race same thing your tri uh your tri suit that you're racing in um whatever you put on for that swim you must wear all the way through um, it cannot go past the wrists and the ankles. So important you know that rule. It's 2.7c. Make sure you're aware of it next time you race. On this week's Club Spot, we're talking about Vikings Triathlon Club, and I'm here with Gary Lilly. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Craig. So tell us about the Vikings Triathlon Club. Well, it's, uh, it's a small club, and it's one of the original clubs in, in triathlon, uh, ACT. Um, we began about 22 years ago um, as a, a family-oriented club. You know, a bunch of people got together at uh, the, the old Tuggeranong pool and um, trained together and, um, uh, I guess, decided let's form, form a club. And we, so we were one of the, the first few, um, basically with an ethos of a uh, family-friendly but competitive club. We still had, you know, very good performers back, back in those days and still do. You know, we've had some world champions and... And even recently, we've we've had um, uh, people podium at, at world level um, in cross try, uh, as in Kerry Muir. Um, so you know we we're a small club, but we punch above our weight. So your club, you know, had that family orientation to it. It's it's kind of morphing and growing. And so, what does the club look like now? Well, over the years, it's changed. So um, since since our, our early days, back then, you know, we were a, a club of. Um, you know, relatively young triathletes uh, with families, and so we, you know, um, our junior program was was effectively uh, our kids, um, um, and we had a program around them to make sure that they were being looked after and 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 trained and coached properly. Um, but as the club um, grew, um, the it became older in its demographic. Um, we still had junior programs, but. It, now we're, we're sort of taking stock and looking at the club as, as um, uh, is something that we need to do something about uh, our age demographic basically. We need to uh, look at attracting uh, some juniors and 
uh, and maybe some of the old, older types having grand, grandchildren that can come through as well. <laughs> that next generation. So we've been spending a bit of time with the Vikings Club recently and we were doing Top Club, which is around looking at the strategy of Vikings. How did you find that experience? Yeah, we, uh, when we found out that the, the Top Club um, offer was, was there, um, we, we jumped at the chance because um, uh, we have been talking for some time about um, you know re re looking at our our vision and our our mission um, properly, um, not just letting letting it happen as we have in the past. So, so um, the the um, the workshops you know were, went really well. Um, we've had one or two meetings since then and and um, gone through the strategies that came out of that. And and yeah, it's looking really good. We're we're, we're very happy. Um, now, now the work begins, though. Yeah, so. definitely. So the Vikings Club is based out of Tuggeranong, and but it does cater for a broad range of people that come not just from Tuggeranong itself, but also the broader Canberra community. So, what do you have to you know? So you have a number of programs. You got novice program, and how does the structure of the club work? Uh, the every year we like the, we've had the novice program right from the early days since since around the, the two thousand mark. Um, uh, we've always had um, a good, solid um, um, group of coaches that, that are always willing to, to volunteer in there. And that's another thing. All our coaches uh, are volunteer coaches, effectively. Um, but, um, yeah, so we have the novice program um, once a year that leads up to um, the race season. Um, we do that for a few reasons. One is to, um, um, you know, bring people into the club uh, and... Um, we've always made sure that um, um, we limit num numbers um, in, in our novice program to make sure that the quality of service, coaching service is there and that we can focus on retaining those, those new intakes. Um, uh, having said that, we've, we've always been around the 2025 um, intake mark and it's, it's, it's worked out that way anyway. Um, following that, um, um, we have had in the past, and it's dropped off the radar a little bit, but we probably are going to bring it back, a, um, a Next Steps program, which is a sort of an intermediate, novice intermediate program uh, to, to, to bring people into the, uh, the club training atmosphere and, um, and then develop them a bit further so, so that they, uh, um, they become fully-fledged um, triathletes. How stuff works. This week we're talking about Triathlon Australia Age Group Worlds Team. Did you know, Emily, that you can qualify to represent Australia at the 2020 International Triathlon Union Age Group World Championships as part of the Australian Age Group Team? I did know that. Excellent. And you've been on the Australian team before? I have been on the Australian team. I have a tri-suit with my name on the bum. Very ah. cool. It's pretty special triathlon because the Age Group World Championships are held alongside the Elite World Championships at varying locations around the world each year. Triathlon Australia can select up to 20 males and 20 female athletes per category to represent Australian Age Group Team at the World Championships. To gain selection on the Australian Age Group Team, you must be a member of Triathlon Australia first. And you then apply for the team and the distance you would like to race and the race in and then race in the selection races for the most relevant distance that you're doing. Your finishing position will determine the number of selection points that you receive and the points accumulated over the 2019 and 2020 season. 
For the detailed information on how you could be selected to represent Australia as an age group athlete, please read the 2020 Australian age group team selection policy, which relates to the event you are interested in being selected for. This policy will outline which selection races you'll need to compete in and what steps you need to complete to be eligible for the team. So are we gonna see you on the 2020 team, Emily? You will not, no, not, no. Is that because you'll need to take a mortgage out in the house to qualify? Yes, or rob a bank. So what's happening in Canberra? Well, we have the development coach course coming up on the 20th and 21st of July, and then also the 7th and 8th of September. So that's this weekend, it's gonna be a big weekend for us. It is, no, looking forward to that. Uh, on the 4th of August, we've got the Sri Chimnoy Off-Road Duathlon. That's where you get down and dirty, you go off the beaten path, you are off-road running, mountain biking and off-road running up around the Canberra Botanical Gardens and Black Mountain. Awesome. And then we have the Foundation Coach course on the 17th and 18th of August. Registrations closed this Sunday, the 21st of July, so get in quick for that one. Yes, it's a great introduction to coaching. You must do this level before you can move on to development and uh, performance if you want to go that way in the future. The ACT Duathlon Champs, it's a World Champs qualifying event for age groupers, so anyone that is a Triathlon Australian member who has registered to qualify for the Duathlon World Champs can accrue points at that event over the sprint distance, and that is going to be held at Stromlo Forest Park on the 14th of September. Mm, that's, yeah, that is my favourite event, the Duathlon. Yes, and you're going to be managing it this year. I know, I'm very excited. Lots of hills in that. Very good. Yes. Uh, next up, so the Triathlon ACT AGM is on Wednesday the 19th of September at 6pm at the Canberra Southern Cross Club in Woden. That is going to be a really good night. It is going to be a good night. So it's important. So if, if you've got a lot out of triathlon and you want to give back and you, and you want to make a difference in the sport, then put your hand up to be nominated for one of those positions on the board. Um, so details around that will come out in August. Sri Chimnoy Triple Triathlon, uh, November the 17th. It is an absolute classic. It is the toughest triathlon in Australia. You do three back-to-back off-road triathlons on a hell of a day, normally around 20 individuals, over 450 team members. That's where the action happens. So get yep. your team together of either three people, six people, or nine people, and swim, bike, and run around the entire breadth, width, uh, depth, width, <laughs> height, whatever of Canberra. It does the whole thing, you see the whole lot. Yeah, I think with that, when you are organizing a team to really think about your support team for those, because they are who are really important for that. You can't do that without a really good support team. And then we kick into the first triathlon of the season. Yes, on November 30th, we have the Jackie Fairweather Memorial Triathlon, which the sprint distance draft legal is a world champs qualifier. And for those who don't know, Jackie Fairweather was one of a triathlon Australia's most legendary athletes. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2014. This race is in her memory. She was a world champion triathlete, duathlete. She was the head coach of the RAS for the under 23 triathlon program and also went to Commonwealth Games and Marathon, one hell of a great athlete, super competitor, and I just remember those duels against Emma Carney. Head to head, there was nothing left on the, on the road in those races. 
This week's guest interviewer, Simon Thompson, you know, former Canberra boy who went off to the Olympics, competed at Athens 2004, and had a, a fantastic run of, you know, events and successes over many, many years. So, Simon, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Craig, chatting with you. So, let, let's go back a few years to when you started out. How did you get into the sport of triathlon? Well, that is going back a long time now. So, um, a long story short, I, I first saw a race on TV when I was eight, and I just I wanted to do it, and there was just nothing for kids at, at that age. So, um, you know, parents distracted me with other stuff until um, I was thirteen, and, and a race came up. And again, it was still not really for kids. The minimum age was fifteen, um, but my dad. Um, Signed the parental waiver after he made me swim 20 laps at Phillip Pool and do a, a bike ride from the pool back to my house in Canberra, which was 20k and then a 5k loop from the house. Um, so I completed the distance, so he was confident to sign the parental waiver, and um, yeah, away I went. And I was and I won a prize for the youngest athlete in the in the race, and um, and yeah, I was hooked like from then on. So every single opportunity I got from there on um, to, to to compete in triathlons, I, I was I was into it. So. Um, yeah, I was one of the, the first breed of athletes that came through that were really not specialist in swimming, cycling or running. You know, I, was, I considered myself to be a, a triathlete and I, you know, I very much designated myself as a triathlete. I wasn't any one of those other ones. And um, yeah, I was very fortunate to be in an ACT at that time. You know, I grew up in Canberra and there was a lot of opportunity for triathlon. We had a great um, organisation there. and. Um, and I was able to go to the, the very first national championship, national schools championships that we had in 1994 and then 1995, when, when, you know, so year 11, year 12, um, representing the ACT there. And that was, um, you know, that was competing against guys that, you know, household names like um, Courtney Atkinson, Levi Maxwell, Bryce Quirk. Um, yeah, a bunch of guys that ended up racing for, you know, years after that were all sort of in those, in those uh, national schools events. and. Um, yeah, went away for it for a few years when I finished school and then travelled and then just sort of landed back into it um, by accident and um, yeah, was very fortunate to get some opportunities from there. So you, you grew up and, and started in the sport of triathlon and probably the ultimate era of triathlon in Australia, you had the likes of your Miles Stewart's, your Greg Welch's, your Brad Bevins, you had a whole lot of superstars there that were going head to head all the time. It was on TV, there were good prize money pretty inspiring but you said you took a break at that point yeah so i i was super inspired by that stuff so i was into triathlon when i was at school and that's when um when those races really took off you know back in the two is blue started around the same time it went you know morphed into the different series and um you know they were live events you know short super exciting and um yeah massively motivated to um you know buy all of that and, you know greg welch was a hero of mine and all those guys um, where sort of athletes that I looked up to and um, yeah I, I guess I you know I took a break more just because of school and um, had the opportunity to go to, to England for a year my gap year and um, you know I never had any aspirations that I was going to become a professional athlete of any kind at any point so it didn't seem like a big deal to sort of go away I and mean, I think I finished sixth at the national championships or fifth or something like that so um, you know I was hardly um, you know Turn the doors down, and people were saying, you know, this, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be a superstar or anything, nothing like that at all. So it didn't seem that unusual to, um, to do that. And it was only, I fell back into triathlon after about two years off, just because I was, you know, a bit out of shape. I, you know, 
drinking too much over in England and, you know, having a good time. And, um, yeah, we just really wanted to get a bit fit again. So um, we just fell back into it. And, you know, that's when I met Ben Gathercole and the Trident's Triathlon Club. And, you know, that just turned, you know, a sport that I was good at as a kid into a team sport, a team environment with, you know, like-minded people. And, you know, training together as, as a team was just a lot of fun. We traveled the races and just loved all of that. And before I knew it, that sort of, pushed me along to where I was sort of knocking on the door of, of, of the pro ranks. And, um, yeah, that was when all of a sudden I had an opportunity to maybe compete in, um, in that, in that live series, you know, which was an invite only 20 men, 20 women. And, um, you know, that was what I wanted to do. I was motivated for that. At that, at that stage, the Olympics weren't really on my radar or anything like that. I just wanted to make that, that TV series and just be a part of that. And, um, yeah, fortunately, that's where I got my break. I, I managed to scrape into the um, around about I think it was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand was the first was the first season that I did that. Yeah. So training in Canberra, there's a lot of great uh, venues around here. There's great trails, good riding, lots of hills. And you talked about the you know joining with Ben Gathercole. So what was kind of that chemistry behind uh, making that connection with Ben so successful? Um, I think it was an evolving process. So, um, you know, Ben's obviously a brilliant coach, um, you know, very, very well credentialed and um, great at what he, what he did and, you know, comes from a coaching background. And um, I was just so fortunate that, you know, when I was there, there was, um, there was a number of other top athletes. You know, Jason Shortis was there and um, Rayleigh Rogers and um, a number of other, you know, Jason Chalker, Stuart Shaw and, you um, you know, there was other pros that came in and out, Chippy Slater and um, things like that. So it was a really great environment, you know, of athletes to train with. And so, um, you know, I didn't probably put as much effort in the early days into sort of understanding the programming and the specific training I was doing. I was just doing what I was told. Um, so, um, you know, having those athletes around us and having that direction from Ben is what actually took me from being someone that was marginally talented to you know potentially racing professionally and so um it was only sort of in that process as we sort of as i became more and more committed to it that you know that i became a bit more engaged and ben and i sort of realized that we had an opportunity here to compete you know against the world's best and and you know we just um you know we we just sort of naturally started to take that on together um you know we just formed a bit of a partnership and um you know it was just all about you know how do we how do we you know maximize this opportunity and you know ben was had a lot of contacts you know he he was the one that you know had the contacts at the aos call before i was you know had done anything really he was um giving me the opportunity of swimming with the with the swim program there at the australian institute of sport which just didn't happen but you know because ben came from from that um you know from from that environment from his family you know they were willing to do him, do him a favour and, um, you know, I got the opportunity to swim with some of the Australia's best swimmers, some of the world's best swimmers um, and, um, you know, that, that sort of, there's a lot of confidence and a lot of, um, you know, as well as skill acquisition as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it, um, there was a moment, I, I clearly remember, so um, mentioned trying to qualify for the... Um, the St George series, whatever it was at that time in 1999. And so um, there was a qualification race up at Twin Waters on the Sunshine Coast. And um, and uh, I flew up, Benny rode his motorbike with, with uh, another friend, Dazza, 
Um, and um, it was in winter. So I've been training in the Canberra winter and it's all, you know, these guys. And they were basically the first five in this, you know, multi, uh, multi-race format were going to get automatic selection for the last five places. Um, and I was doing really well. And on the last race, just fainted a little bit and um, ended up finishing sixth. I was, you know, the first guy to miss out, essentially. So really disappointed. Um, but I think at that time, you know, Ben and I have been sort of working together and obviously got to that point where I was really close um, but he, you know, he was, I guess, confident enough and, um, you know, he, he had the sense to sort of know that to progress, we needed to sort of make sure that we knew we were doing the right thing. And I didn't realise this at the time, but he'd arranged for me to go and train the Gold Coast with um, Cole Stewart and Miles Stewart and all of the best athletes that were competing in that series at the time, pretty much. So, you know, Shane and Matt Reed, Chris Hill, um, um, Craig Alexander, Chris McCormack went in and out. You know, this was the you know the hunting ground for the world's best athletes in that specific series, and um, and I spent two weeks training with them. And um, and the, the eye-opening thing was that um, you know I was really competitive with these guys training. You know, a lot of a lot of the stuff. You know, I maybe was going harder or whatever, but I was easily um, on par with these guys going uh, going around on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, I don't mind saying this on there, but, but Cole tried to convince me to stay. He was like, you know, you've got a chance to make this team and, you know, um, to make this, pro- this, this, this um, race series and this is where all the best athletes are. This is where you need to be. And um, I remember driving back home to, to Canberra that time going, damn, you know, maybe I do need to be there. You know, maybe, you know, we're out on our own in Canberra. And, um, and it was, you know, I drove by myself, two-day drive. And I mean, by the time I got there, I was like, I, I said, no, I don't. You know, like the fact that I can be in Canberra with my family, with all my friends and with Benny and get to where I am now, we're, I already know what they're doing in training. They're not doing any, there's no magic source with what they're doing. You know, we're doing all the right things. And, you know, um, you know it just sort of galvanised for me that relationship with Benny and with Trident's that, you um, you know that that was the right thing to do and from then on that was that was us you know but I, I, you know i always appreciate ben's um ben's willingness to take a risk because that was always the case that i could have just gone all right i'm out of here now because you know i've got the chance to train with these guys and that's where i'm going to be around the gold coast and um yeah so you know he, he he took the risk and by doing that that actually was what sort of cemented our relationship i think going forward and um you know we were, that was the only coach I ever had um, from then on for the rest of my career. So building on from that, that opportunity to see what the world's best were doing, you then went on to you know, that qualification period leading into Athens and obviously you were successful in getting on the team. What was kind of the, the game changer in there or why do you think you were able to get that, that step up on everyone else when you had some amazing athletes in the Australian environment at that time? Oh, going back a long way now, you know, it's, I don't know if I can say if there's any sort of one thing. Um, I just, I just done a season in, in Europe. Um, and I, and I, I was chasing that. Like I decided not to go back to France and join my, um, my French team and the French Grand Prix over there. It was like, um, when I had the opportunity to see the Olympics in Sydney, um, in 2000, and, you know, see those guys that I started competing with. And I was like, you know, that, that's what I want to do. I, next time around, I want to I be there. I want to do that. 
And so I had to make the decision that in order to give myself a chance at that, I needed to get more points on the circuit and I needed to focus on going around the World Cups and getting those points. And so um, so that's what I kind of did. I just put a bet on myself and decided to um, to try and do that. And, and, and I was fortunate that I ended up um, in Switzerland with Andrew Johns, who, um, you know, grew up in, in Australia but was raced, raced a lot for Great Britain and he became a great mentor of mine. He was just a really amazing athlete, an amazing person and he had a um, base set up where Brett Sutton was in, um, in Lausanne in, uh, in, south, in south of Switzerland. And, um, yeah, just joined his squad there and um, just such a great environment and attitude and I think just I was just enjoying what I was doing and it was just a cumulative effect, I think, more than anything. And, you know, it was injury-free, had a good run, um, and I just had a couple of really amazing results off the back of that training. Brad Carlefelt was there as well as, um, you know, Rito Hoog and a whole bunch of other athletes that were super competitive. And I remember um, coming down from altitude on a Friday doing the Geneva Triathlon, and this was probably, I don't know, it would have been around August, September time um, in, in 2003, so the pre-Olympic year. And, um, and that... That day in Geneva, I just I raced like Craig Walt. You know, I just I was at the front of the swim. I got in the bike and I just took off. I wasn't waiting for anyone, and it was a five lap hilly course. And um, I was out there by myself, and I was just had the confidence to say I'm just going to try and keep pushing. And you know, eventually, either a couple of guys will come across, or I'm going to break the field up trying to trying to catch me. And um, in the end, I rode solo for 40k. I had a minute and a half lead, and cruised the run and won by 45 seconds. So, um, you know, that was sort of a, that was a real confidence booster. And that, I think, said to me that, you know, I've got a chance here. And then the next week went to um, Hamburg World Cup and Andrew Johns ended up winning the sprint for the win. I think Brad ended up um, second or third and I was fourth, you know, so that, you know, obviously what we were doing was working, you know, we're in great shape. And so, um, yeah, was able to come back, recover, and um, that sort of went into the um, Olympic selection races. And um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any expectations on the first race. Really surprised myself. So I, you know, so I don't know if there was any secret formula or anything. At, at that point, I was just super fit after a great season, um, had done all the work, and then it just all came together. And a course that really suited my style too. I guess that was part of the key. So. Um, so yeah, and then from that point, um, yeah, I just I think the, I always sort of keep saying the word confidence, but the confidence was such a big part of it. Once, you know, from the early days where I, I took confidence in the fact that I trained as hard or as good as these guys, and I believed in the possibility that I could beat them at some point. Once I started actually winning races, and then it just reinforces the fact that hey, you know, I should be here, and um, you know, I've got as much chance as anybody, and then then you don't hesitate when those opportunities come. So you're going, going into Athens, you, you won the Australian Championships, I think, in the lead into it, which was a qualifying race. You then head off to Athens, which was a brutal course, probably one of the toughest courses that we've seen in triathlon at that Olympic distance level. And, you know, you, you had an astounding race, but you had a few, you few crashes during the race and you just kept getting back up and going again, the resilience. Tell us a little bit about that race and, you know, what was it like being out there with the world's best in front of the world's biggest audience? Yeah. I mean, amazing opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I still, I, I'm still really proud of, of that, 
um, achievement to get there. And um, and more than that, the fact that, you know, with with our nine-month nine preparation, I think I was the second athlete selected on the Australian Olympic team of all the sports. So we knew from, you know, December when it qualified in Coffs Harbour that um, we had nine months to be in the best shape possible um, in August in, 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 in Athens. And so um, getting to that, uh, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a straight line. It's you know, it's always a bumpy road. But at the end of the day, we got there, knowing that we were as ready as we possibly could be. And so, um, you know, that meant that I was able to enjoy the experience and enjoy the moment. And so, you know, I remember, you know, as they called my name, heading out to the you know pontoon past the crowd, my family and friends were there, and just had a huge grin on my face, waving, just having a great time. Just the fact that you know, I, here I was on the world's biggest stage. Getting it, getting the opportunity. So, um, you know, and I was ready to go. So all I had to do was, and I, and I just, I was really conscious of it, sort of going so quickly and being over. So I almost didn't want to rush it. And so I was really conscious of trying to be really present throughout the race and not get, you know, too far ahead of myself or anything like that. Um, but in actual fact, that's where I actually, I did probably make that mistake because I had a great swim, stood up next to. Hamish Carter, who went on to eventually win the race, and he'd let, he'd been in a breakaway group in, in, in Sydney in 2000, so one of the better swimmers in the field, was right where I wanted to be. So great setup, great start, into the bike course, first of five laps, and really early on you hit this ginormous hill, which is 20, 21% with a couple of pitches in it. So super steep, um, and you know I was just I was dancing on the pedals. I felt great, you know I was feeling really good out of the water. Up to the top, I was the first over the top of the hill. It's a flat section across the ridge, and then it goes back down again. And, um, you know, coming over the top, Bevan Doherty comes up next to me and Olivia Marceau, and he's like, we've got a break. Let's go, let's go. And we look back, and there was a 10-second gap. And um, and I was like, he's two of the best bike riders in the in the field, and I'm feeling great. Yeah, let's, let's go for it. And so Olivia Marceau went to the front, charged down this hill, flat out. I'm on his wheel. Bevan's behind me. And um, and yeah, just was not uh, was not feeling confident as I came down the bottom of the hill. We're doing about 65, 70 k's an hour, and I touched the brakes and I started slipping a little bit. Didn't feel good. Started to apply the brakes properly, and the bike just slid out from underneath me, and I went skidding into the hay bales on the bottom of the of the corner, and the other two just went sailing through without me. Fortunately, the bike was okay. I picked myself up, quick check, jump back on, chase, chase it all the way back. Uh, for the rest of the lap, had a group of people sitting on my uh, on my on my wheel. I didn't realise, but got back to the hill for the second time, and you know the group was right there. So I was sort of just measuring myself out, and then I got to the back of the group, and I just tailed myself off on the way down, realising that my tyres were, were not great, poor, poor tyre selection. They were a bit slippery, a bit too new. Um, but even though I was backing it off the next time around, I still managed to laid over exactly the same way um, second time through. So into the hay bales for the second time, picked myself up, got myself going again. Um, by this stage, I was starting to feel the heat and um, got into a group that were, you know, I need to sort of stay in that group for a little bit. And then um, on the next time up the hill, that's when the breakaway of six went away from the front group and we went from the second group on the road to the third group on the road. And the impetus kind of went out of our group and we went from being 30 seconds behind to two minutes behind by the end of the, the run, uh, end of the bike. And so, um, yeah, that was pretty much race over at that point, but um, sort of managed to get my head back together and just sort of say, you know, come on, this is, 
you know, chance to run at the Olympics. So just give it everything. And so I did. I ended up having equal fastest run time on the day with, with Greg Bennett, who ran into fourth, um, and Hunter Kemper, who was uh, from my pack as well. Um, and so managed, managed to run through three quarters of the field and get into 10th spot, which, um, which was, you know, a, a great result, but possibly not the result that I could have had if I had a, been a little bit um, more in the moment coming down that hill and, and, uh, and held it together. So, was, um, yeah, I think, I think I ended up running about 10, 10 or 15 seconds quicker than Hamish and 45 seconds quicker than, um, than the bronze medalist as well. So, um, so yeah, that felt like a bit of a lost opportunity. Well, good. Hey, mate, um, this is awesome. I'm really enjoying this. How much time have you got? Have you got much more time or? Uh, I'm good if you need to keep going, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of wrap that bit and then we'll just go into a little bit around what you're doing now and then we'll that we'll finish it. So, um, but yeah, okay. you're getting uh, pretty good into that. Um, at 10th place, the outstanding achievement. Um, it's a fantastic on there. Obviously, a, a wonderful journey to go through and obviously the resilience to get yourself back up and get yourself back into 10th place is pretty amazing. You've now transitioned out of the sport a few years ago and you went and worked in the corporate world, so to speak, but still in sport. So you hit into Trek first, I believe, and then now you're, you're working in Zwift and, and running that in the Asia Pacific area. Yeah, so um, again, I, I consider myself very fortunate that I'm um, one, of the, one of the athletes that have been able to make a, a sort of reasonably smooth transition out of, out of elite sport into, um, into life after sport in, in some capacity. And um, I guess utilising some of my skills that I, you know, I, I never finished university because I sort of had to give that up to chase the circuit around the world. And, um, and you know, I was, I was really fortunate that, um, you know, I, I was going and I was coaching at the time that, um, that I retired. Um, but um, yeah, was was really lucky that um, Jason Pye, who's a former Trident as well, who um, had been headhunted to um, bring Trek direct to market in, in Australia, um, you know, he knew that I'd retired and was potentially looking to get into the workforce. And um, he was about to build a whole team of people to to run this business in, in Australia. And so. Um, yeah, I'd literally got a phone call out of the blue and he was in the US at Trek headquarters saying, tell me this has happened and, you know, am I interested to come on board? And um, the initial role he proposed didn't really seem like a good fit. But, um, you know, after I'd sort of thought about it a bit further, spoken to his boss a little more, I decided I'll, I'll give it a go and see, and see what happens. And, um, you know, I guess grateful for the opportunity that they were giving me, given how green I was too. I didn't have any formal experience. And so... Um, yeah, it was really lucky, and it was just—it was such an exciting time that we had at that period. It was like a startup where we were just literally building a team and building a business from scratch. But we sort of had the backing of the of the global company, and um, I was living in Melbourne at the time, so I was commuting back and forth to Canberra quite regularly. And um, you know, early on, naturally, sort of found myself lending towards the marketing sales side of the side of the business. And so, um, yeah, after about twelve months, had the opportunity to. Um, to move back to Canberra and take on the national marketing manager role, which um, was, yeah, again, a huge opportunity and, and really awesome um, for me to be able to sort of sink my teeth into, um, I guess, an area which I had some experience, uh, but was also sort of learning on the job. And uh, I guess a lot of the skills that I'd learned as an athlete, you know, were applicable to, to, um, to the workforce as well. So, 
Um, yeah, with Trek, I had a lot of great roles. Most of them were new roles that had no one had done before and um, had the opportunity to go to the US and um, be based at headquarters over there for three and a half years. Spent a lot of time in Europe um, with all of the racing programs that we, that we had, the road, triathlon, four mountain bike programs and cyclocross as well. So, um, yeah, very, very lucky indeed and um, learned, learned so much from, from that great company. And so now you're you're looking after Zwift, which is a very innovative company. There's a lot happening there. You know, we were talking earlier before the show around the future of esports when it comes to actual your kind of your 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 natural sports. You know, your cycling, your your endurance running, etc. So, can you tell us a little bit about what the future you see for sport, especially through kind of that triathlon? Oh, sorry, that that cycling triathlon esport type of model. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I, mean, I don't want to make this uh, uh, too, too commercial, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's been a great transition for me to sort of. I guess I'm really passionate about people's health and wellness, and, and giving um, giving youth opportunities in sport and um, and indoor indoor sports are really um, you know a, a, an area which has been underdeveloped, mostly because it's not really fun. It's not really very enjoyable. I think we've as a former athlete, I've always known how quality the training was on a trainer, but mentally it was just so difficult. Um, you know, some of my mates laugh, you know, about the sort of four or five hour sessions we had in my garage, um, you know, watching videos and movies and, you know, races and stuff like that, you know, just doing anything you can to just try and, you know, keep your mind occupied. And, um, you know, with the advent of technology now, um, it's completely revolutionised that where it's, it is really fun, it is really engaging and you still get that really great quality, um, you know, your efforts, it doesn't feel as hard as it used to. And, um, you know, I guess what the, what the platform does bring is it allows, uh, it allows you to do it not just on your own in your garage, but you can be doing it with thousands or hundreds or, you know, other people anywhere in the world at the same time, like-minded people trying to do the same thing. And it becomes all about the community and, and the social element that, you know, that we're obsessed about these days um, within, within you know, the, the, the sporting environment. So cycling is sort of where it's most developed and, you know, there's, um, you know, there's over a million accounts on Zwift alone now. So um, it's, it's certainly reached uh, a wide audience and um, you know it gives you the opportunity to do just group rides as you would on a Saturday morning, but you can do that now, you know, in the comfort of your own home, around work, around family commitments, um, without you know, dodging cars and buses and trucks and all the rest of it. Um, and then you can also um, do workouts. But where we're really seeing a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement is around the racing side. So. Um, you know, it's quite relevant now as we talk about uh, on the sporting side because we're now starting to work with a lot of uh, federations um, around the world, not just here in Australia, but um, all over the world uh, and governing bodies um, because um, what we've got is an opportunity to bring sports to more people um, and do it in a way which is actually really competitive and, and, and exciting too. So um, we've had you know national cycling championships um, around the world for the last couple of years that are endorsed by the federations as well. Um, and these are now being broadcast live on television. So you can see professional athletes competing against one another, um, you know, the same way as you'd watch some of the computer esports that are a little bit more common to probably some of the 
younger audience, um, you know, which generally take a console or a joystick or something to to navigate your way through the game, whereas the, this requires human effort and uh, and performance the same way it does outdoors. And so, um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of attention and growth there. Um, we've now we're sort of in the process of creating a league for professional athletes, but also for community people, so that it just becomes a much better experience, you know, for racing and a fair experience for everyone. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, you know, there's, we're, you know, talking to the UCI, there'll be a world championships next year. There'll be additional national championships around the world. And, um, you know, I absolutely believe that at some point we'll be seeing um, Olympic medals being given out for in, for indoor racing. Oh, it's pretty exciting. So thanks very much for your time, uh, Simon. It's wonderful to see kind of your journey, what you've taken through from the little old town of Canberra and you've gone on to great heights at the Olympics and now you're sort of being really innovative and changing the game, so to speak, in the sporting world with Zwift. So thanks very much for your time today. Congratulations on everything you've achieved so far and we look forward to seeing how you, you prosper in the future. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Craig. Really appreciate it. What a fascinating interview with Simon Thompson. Talking about Athens Olympics and wow, 10th place after two crashes in the same spot. You'd think you'd learn the first time, but no, second time in a row. And then he fought back with the fastest, one of the fastest run times of the day, back to 10th place. Super, super effort. We've got a couple of busy weeks coming up. Um, we're launching Speakers Tribe ACT. I'm volunteering at that to help that. So if you're someone that wants to improve your speaking skills, check it out, Speakers Tribe ACT. I'm also heading down to Melbourne for the National Sports Convention. We've got all the top sports administrators from Australia and New Zealand, and there's a whole lot of streams from integrity to facilities to development. Um, and so we're looking forward to that. So that's on July 23rd to 25th. Emily, you've been uh, out and about as well. I have. So on uh, last week was the final Canberra Women in Sport Forum, which was really good. We had um, an opportunity to get together in small groups and discuss ways, short-term and long-term ways of, um, that we could engage more women in sport. So I've got a couple of contact details and who knows, the teamwork between cricket ACT and triathlon ACT, Ooh, who knows what we can come up with. Well, we've We've got the Cricket World Cup on right now, so it's, it's going to be uh, a great time and we're seeing some a lot of females out there. So maybe, yeah, we can get that transfer. I, it's kind of difficult, though, because cricket triathlon, same season. Same season, yeah, I know. We'll work something out. We'll work it out. All right, so it's been enjoyable, another great enjoyable show. And for us to spread the word, it's really important. You guys get on to your favorite podcast app, whether it be Apple iTunes or whether it be on Android or Spotify, make sure you leave a review on that app and give it some five stars so we get up through the rankings and more people will see what we're up to. Um, also feel free on our social media to comment, share it with your friends, family, whoever might be interested in triathlon, get them involved. Let's build the triathlon community. Let's make it one of the biggest sports in Canberra. Excellent, let's Ex do that. Let's do that, Emily. All right, Emily, great show. Thanks for coming on again. And we look forward to another great week of coaching courses and other events around Australia. It's going to be a great one, Craig. Thank you. Be a part of the Triathlon ACT community by visiting www.triathlonact.com.au. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the Triathlon ACT podcast, we encourage you to share it on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to contact Craig or Emily at director at act.triathlon.org.au with your feedback, questions and suggestions. Be sure to check out the next episode of the Triathlon ACT podcast.